0: What is good world? Hello. We're into the double digits. Feels good, you know, to have a thing, to be able to do something with my spare time, not just waste my life. A lot again has happened this week. People continually are just fucking losing their minds. Baseball's back, George Floyd trial. Quavo out here, Ray Rice and bitches. We're gonna touch on it all. Again, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcast. Throw the kid a like, little subby, throw it five stars. Just like it. Just interact with the kid, all right. So to start this week, Nike got a temporary restraining order on Lil Nas X's satanic shoes. If you don't know, he's coming out with some Air Maxes. They're fucking ugly. They're like black patent leather with a red midsole. And for every pair that has been produced, there is a drop of an actual person's blood in them. Now, my Puritan, well-mannered you know, psyche that was crafted with the help of my Grammy wants to point at this and say, why? What are you doing? It's not even necessary. Did they consent? Um, also, though, you're seeing a lot of outrage, a lot of people being triggered. So it's kind of funny. This isn't new, though, right? In the 90s, you had Marilyn Manson like tucking his dick in between his legs going on Letterman. Um, but these Satan shoes were made in collaboration with Lil Nas X, and they were to coincide with his new Hellset music video, Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Now, Nike, I don't know, again, like, bro, I'd be like, yeah, let's let's tap you up here. Good job, right? Think of the kids. But the reality is, is that you cleared this person to make this shoe. You designed it the whole time, right? This isn't a this isn't a super simple process. I assume taking a shoe from the board, right, from the idea room to the production line onto dude's feet. That's a long process. So at the last second, once this gets announced and you see the outrage, which is inevitable, Lil Nas X is being super edgy. Then they pull the plug. Now, you may be asking, Alex, how do I get my hands on these Satan shoes? And once they do come out, they will be a thousand and eighteen dollars. So that puts me out of the market immediately. Um with summer coming up, with trips, you know, do I want to bike, jet ski? There's things that I could spend ten eighteen on. Better than some Satan shoes. Now, the price specifically is in reference to passage Luke 10.18 in the Bible, which says, quote, which reads, quote, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Just 666 pairs of the shoes were produced, uh, and all but one pair were sold within a minute of the release. So there is that weird, emo, edgy, you know, they want it. The demand is there and currently the issue appears to be with the supply. Nike since this point has had no comment. A spokesperson told CNN that they have no further details and it's a pending legal matter. Elon X. he got on the old Twitter and your boy said, quote, I feel like it's fucked up. They have so much power that they can get these specific shoes canceled. Freedom of expression has gone out the window, but that's going to change soon. I think both sides of the political aisle, if you're a creator, anyone really, you're seeing uh, kind of the closing in on freedom of expression. You know, whether they call it hate speech, whether or not an online platform that you could argue is maybe even a utility kind of picks and chooses who to enforce the terms of service violations on, silencing, dissenting speech. Yeah, this isn't good. Now, again, you know, do I want my nephew in these kind of homoerotica devil shoes? No, of course not. But I think this is bad in the short term, and the precedent that it's setting, and not allowing people to kind of express themselves. Like, what are we fucking China? Speaking of China, uh, the George Floyd trial has been going on. There was literally not a sequitur there. I don't know why I connected these two things. Um, It's pretty boring. Friday of this week, the fifth day of the trial was closed out. The longest tenured cop on that force was a key witness for the prosecution and multiple times they asked him if they felt like yo dude do you guys normally put your entire body weight on someone's fucking neck and consistently he said no like there's no i don't know why our boy derek out here was freestyling with the knee stuff and obviously that led to you know him dying also leading to him dying was george floyd's uh, pill addiction it doesn't help when you're on a bunch of opioids You've seen the the shots outside the courtroom. It's fucking crazy. Uh, they have like multiple gates with barbed wire. It, it's insane. It's very dystopian. And obviously, you know, Chauvin, whatever the fuck his name is, like, you're in the wrong, bro. It's on video. This is in 1988. You know, where you would have been like, ah, he grabbed my gun. Like, you can't do that now. And I do not want to touch on this a lot just because, one, it's a downer. Real downer. And two, it's inevitable what we're going to see from this. There's video evidence corresponding with the trial you know what let's let's get after let's let's touch on Quavo here Ice trade a gang as some of my boys would say you know Quavo is unceremoniously been thrust to being kind of the voice for the Migos he's he's the most popular one he's the one that you think of when you think of their brand and their sound and he was in the news this week where TMZ got wind of a video that shows him and his now ex-girlfriend, Sweetie. Her name is absurd. There's too many vowels. I'm going to call her Sweetie. And she's like a thought from Instagram. Um, I honestly, I don't really even think she's that cute. So Quavo, my boy here, you know, maybe maybe this is for the best, buddy. Like, yeah, she has a fatty. Yeah, she has like 7 million followers. But if you go look her up on Instagram, honestly, she's not that cute. Like, there's girls that are blowing you backstage in Tennessee that probably have a similar build. Um, but this video was shown very similar to the TMZ Ray Rice video, if you all remember that. Quavo is shown from an elevator, him and his girlfriend at the time. Um, he's carrying this like orange bag, and it looks to be designer. And basically, they just struggle with it. She wants the bag once they get in the elevator, he won't let her. He does kind of the guy thing, the big brother thing where he holds it out and she can't reach it. And then he pushes her to the ground. She stays on the ground in the elevator until the uh, the elevator itself gets to a floor where more people have to get on. At that point, it's super awkward. She kind of gets up, they get their shit together and they go their separate ways. Now, in other news, though, Quavo had a rape charge, probably more related to his recent relationship ending um, that he's found not guilty on. Didn't happen. Guess the girl just made it up. You know, that happens. You just stumble into accusing somebody of a forceful rape. Holy shit. While I'm on this page, on this article, Alabama shakes drummer Stephen William Johnson arrested on child abuse charges. A grand jury this week indicted him on charges of willful torture and abuse of a child under the age of 18. Oh, my God. Why? Why did you do that? Now, I don't listen to country, right? I have all my teeth. And I don't know if Alabama Shakes is a big is a big band. Maybe they are. Um, but he was arrested on multiple counts in Limestone County, Alabama. The Associated Press confirmed and reported on this. His arraignment was scheduled for the 7th of this month. Looks like it's the end of the road for you, buddy. Now, this is on top of apparently last uh, year in 2019. So actually two years ago. 2020 to me just, like, didn't fucking happen. What a waste of a year. But in 2019, he pleaded guilty to a violation of domestic violence protection orders in the March of that year. He's a founding member of this band. Uh, yeah, fucking weirdo. Stephen William Johnson. Bro, anytime a dude has three names, never good. John Gacy. I think it's John William Gacy. A lot of serial killers. The correlation between multiple names... And then you, being a sexual deviant, is higher than you think. But wow, that's fucking crazy. So yeah, if any of y'all are jamming out to Alabama Shakes, just know that that drummer is out here uh, torturing children. Gotta love it. Um, oh, so let's hit on this quick. The Canal. That ship, the Evergreen, that was too thick. It was dumb thick. And that thing got stuck in the Suez Canal. Again, 10% of all the world's cargo goes through that canal is so one way no idea who set that up but they refloated it so it was only about six days that it was stuck in there now the rush to get it refloated comes from the fact that every day that passed with that blockage occurring cost 10 billion dollars in global trade each day and fears because of this blockage actually force Syria to consider rationing oil which would have only elevated the prices more than they already are. The teams specifically worked six days digging out the Japanese-owned cargo ship. It was a quarter mile in length. Dude, the guy that has the keys to that ship, yeah, buddy, you're not getting them again. But they refloated that thing. Nothing is too thick to be refloated. Speaking of idiots, speaking of absolute dummies, if you do a gender reveal thing and it's not like, oh, hit this golf ball and it's either blue or pink, You're a douche. Like, for one, nobody cares that much. We're here for you. But in Mexico this past week, I think some of y'all have heard. People have too much time on their hands with COVID. It's like, hey, I'm having a kid. Let's make this the party of the year. We've seen consistently deaths with explosions, shrapnel, killing Grammy. Like, right? Is the kid that important? Probably not. But the coup de grace of retardation. Comes this week from Mexico. This past Monday, uh, a plane crashed into the lagoon in Cancun, killing two people inside. The plane was revealing the gender of the upcoming baby. That's so tragic. Like, oh, there's daddy. Oh, 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 no. Oh, no. He's dead. It was pink smoke. It was a girl, if y'all are wondering. And you can hear on the video, just YouTube it. People are shouting Nina, right, confirmation that it's a girl, and then the plane crashes. So yeah, if you're that pretentious to put on this entire show because you're having a kid, which is the exact process as to which every single human that's ever lived ever has gotten here, you know, maybe a rogue explosion might be in the cards. You never know. All right, my dog just shit on the floor, so hold on. Quick break. I'm back from my dog shitting... On our oriental carpet. It's a very expensive carpet. Thus it requires a lot of attention when something like that happens. But I am back. Let's get into politics. Pretty crazy week. Donald Trump kicked off the week by saying that he and his office are uh, shoring up and moving forward with plans to create their own social media platform, which I think is fucking hilarious. If I can go on there and actually be myself and have conversations with people that push boundaries and be able to do what the internet was really supposed to allow you to do throughout the majority of my life, which is express yourself, then I'm all for it. Adding another player in, getting in someone to compete with Twitter is good. Again, I've been banned from Twitter multiple times. And if you know me, I'm just a nice guy. I'm just joshing around. I'm just palling around. And every time they ban me. Now, Trump specifically has been banned from social media sites from the aftermath of the January supposed insurrection. And since that point, he's largely been off the internet. It's been about three months, which is a long time for him. I'm sure he has like thousands of tweets stored up. Former president number 45 will return to social media in two to three months on his own platform. Uh, this platform, they're hoping, will attract tens of millions and completely redefine the game. Um, you only get one shot at it, and I hope it's done well. You know, Parler, Gab, these other ones are successful, but it's more for the memes. You go on there and just post. There's really not a lot going on. And I don't know any people in my personal life that traffic those websites. It's just not hitting Trump being the businessman that he is. Trump stakes, Trump university, Trump ties, right? Guy does it all. And next on that list, he's going to be running a social media platform. So look out for that. It's not all great news, though. Matt gets, he's aligned himself with Trump. He is a Florida state representative. He's a younger guy, pretty brash. Mr. Getz, who to this point has been great on Twitter, just trolling people, is being investigated by the Justice Department over sex trafficking allegations. Apparently, the lawmaker sent photos and videos of nude women he said that he had slept with um, two other representatives and senators while in Washington, including while on the House floor. Uh, the sources, including two people directly shown the material, Said Getz displayed the images of the women on his phone and talked about banging them. And one of the videos shows a naked woman with a hula hoop. And it was a point of pride. I mean, as it would, right? Dude's face is busted. He has a tie and gets to go to Congress. And now he's pound and poon. Like, obviously, he's not going to be humble about it. Now, there's no indication that these pictures that were shown are in connection to that Department of Justice investigation. These things are mutually exclusive currently. Um, He is 38 years old and he was elected in 2016. So a lot's happening. It's been five years, kid, and you're being investigated by the DOJ. Uh, You pissed a lot of people off. But according to then-Trump administration attorney general, William Barr, he implicated Matt Getz um, and insinuated that the DOJ investigation is looking into whether or not Getz was engaged in a relationship with a woman who was under 17 years old. And whether or not the involvement with that young woman broke federal sex trafficking and prostitution laws, right? He, hey, sweet tits, come from Tennessee to Florida, it's legal here, and I'll enter you. Now, Gates obviously has denied the allegations. He said, quote, no part of these allegations are true. And he claimed that this was part of an extortion plot, which the FBI now also is separately investigating. His perspective is over the past several weeks, my family and I have been victims of an organized criminal extortion involving a former DOJ official seeking $25 million while threatening to smear my name. We've been cooperating with federal authorities in this matter. And my father has even been wearing a wire at the FBI's discretion to catch these criminals. I don't know what the fuck that has to do with you banging a teenager. But yeah, this shit is crazy. So the DOJ is looking into him for multiple things. This was someone that kind of one of those younger, newer, millennial uh, Congress people that like him or don't, very popular. This definitely is going to hurt that. Now, context to this, um, apparently during his first term, right, he was elected in 2016, then House Speaker Paul Ryan held a meeting with Getz at the Capitol where they had a discussion about Getz acting like a professional, right, bro, this isn't a frat party, put your dick back in your pants, We have a tax bill to pass. And according to two sources with knowledge of the meeting, one source said that the conversation wasn't anything specific, but Ryan says that it was. Now, Getz denies that the meeting even occurred, right? He's had a sterling track record. But in general, I am reading this article on CNN, so I do have to take it with a grain of salt. But if he was flying in underage women to fuck them in his late 30s, it's kind of fucking weird, dude, right? again with these politicians like is it that hard to get pussy It it isn't newsflash also in the news i saw this on twitter before i was banned that belgium a court orders that the country needs to end its coronavirus measures and restrictions due to an insufficient legal basis and in practice the government is giving the country 30 days to establish new legal basis for these rules basically meaning hey Coronavirus, from what we understand, the numbers have dropped. There's been a change in the environment. There's obviously less deaths than there were at one point. And these restrictions still exist. And the court basically said, dude, all these coronavirus restrictions need to be gone within 30 days because you have no legal basis to do them. Honestly, none of us have to be subjected to this many restrictions. It's illegal, it's immoral, and it's fucking stupid. And if two years ago we said, yo, the flu is going to lead to X, Y, and Z, you'd be like, oh, well, it's a little overzealous, don't you think? But here we are. And who knows, you have to look to Belgium for geopolitical, you know, they're driving the thing here. They're the ones that are fighting on behalf of, of those, the regular people that just want their civil liberties. Now, the country itself, right? What if they say no, right? Fuck you, court. Well, then they're going to face up to 5,000 euros in fines per day, which could lead up to 200,000 in total per month. So the state would just incur penalties for no reason. So obviously they're scrambling to move forward now, to remove these restrictions. And I hope this is something that's more analogous with what we see here stateside, where we're no longer in this pandemic, we're in an endemic. I learned that word on Instagram yesterday. And yeah, the idea here abroad that, you know, you have to download an app and show paperwork to go to a Jersey Mike's is fucking ridiculous. And you're already seeing states like Florida say that these vaccination passports are illegal. So it's a hot topic in Belgium. Those waffling motherfuckers are out here leading the charge. Joey Bides almost fell again this week. He boarded Air Force One en route to Pittsburgh, PA. It was raining. It again may have been windy, right? That sometimes happens. And he tripped again. Um, This time there was... He had a nice coat on. Nice duffel bag, umbrella. He should have been fully prepared. Now again, the stairs still just as high, still just as long, still just as many steps. You thought they would have, you know, cut that down a little bit. And again, nobody has taken up my uh, my idea of an acorn stairlift. Those things are reliable, they're safe, and they're made in America. Now, my girlfriend told me that she saw something where apparently the Biden administration told journalists that they're no longer allowed to record Biden as he goes on to Air Force One and gets off. She did tell me this on the 1st of April. So I think she was trolling me. It really did piss me off, though. I I almost pulled the car over. It's like, what are we, in fucking China? Like, I don't have the right to see my president? I already think he's a hologram. He might not even be real. He's probably dead. He's been dead since, like, 2014. And now they don't even want us to see him. The best part, too, of this entire presidency and the, the horrible, terrifying simulation that we currently find ourselves in is that Biden's a mess, is that he does fall sometimes and his teeth fall out and his eye bleeds. This is the stuff that gets my vote. Not only Joe, not only Joe, though, with the gaffe this week, but good old Dr. Jill Biden, his side piece, his wife, I guess the first lady, yeah, first lady. She spoke this week in California on behalf of the Spanish community and on behalf of farmers. Now, when this speech wrapped up of Cesar Chavez at the National Chavez Center, okay, he has a phrase, se puede." In the phrase, it means, like in English, it means, yes, we can. Now, she completely karen this situation. At the end of this speech, she said, quote, Cesar Chavez understood that no matter the obstacles, when people come together, united in a cause, anything is possible. Yes, we can. Si se Puedo or whatever the fuck. I can't even say it. I'm too white to say it. So the idea that this toast soccer mom from Delaware in her 70s is going to be able to properly say it, not going to bet on that either. It just goes to show you like if you're a Karen and you're trying to be woke and you're trying to capitulate to people that you don't self-identify with or have zero experiences with maybe don't parrot very uh, near and dear and personal sayings that championed like thousands of countless um farm workers and and people that came together when they were actually oppressed like you're you're just grifting it bumbling over the syllables to a Spanish saying at the National Chavez Center. I think people can see through this. I think now that we're five, six years into this retarded, woke world. I think things like this are going to become more obvious. The pandering. Like she didn't even take the time to go on Google Translate and hear how it sounds. She just freestyle, And when you freestyle in your 70s, sometimes you crash. And sometimes you eviscerate a saying that was championed by undocumented people and people that your entire administration is supposedly obsessed with defending. Now, Jill Biden did win some cheers as she walked away from the mic. She was accompanied by California Governor Gavin Newsom, who at this point has over two million signatures from Californians to get him removed from office. So yeah, they're a match made in heaven. I also don't hear a lot of people saying, you have to present your ID when you get vaccinated. Is that racist now? Apparently it's not. But moving off that, boys. Tons going on in the world of sports. There goes half my audience. But if you're sticking with me to this point, I love you. Shouts out my boy Zach. He got engaged. I owe you an edible arrangement. Just let me know if you want it. If you want that thang dipped in chocolate. You know what I'm saying? But to start pro days have been going on this week a lot of the more important ones ohio state florida a lot of the prospects that people are actually interested in not wisconsin whitewater like bro you're not going to the league all right like you're not and the two prospects to me that have really won this process are kyle pitts tight end kind of flexed out pass catcher from florida and Justin Fields, quarterback of Ohio State. Justin Fields had his pro day. He was throwing the ball seventy yards down the field. He also ran a sub four four five. He's six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's lost three games in his entire career. From a evaluation standpoint, he's got everything you want. He's got the size, the mobility, the arm talent, throws a good deep ball, played in some big games on some big stages. And excelled in the majority of those opportunities. My issue with him is the Indiana game. I want you all to pause. Take a second, right? Go on YouTube. It's great. Wonderful app. Go up to that search bar, buddy. And you type in that thing. Justin Fields versus Indiana 2020. And then come back to me. And what you'll find is a lot of fringe Division I talent on that Indiana defense were giving a ton of problems to Fields. Especially... For me, it gets compounded as an issue when you consider Ohio State quarterbacks. Dwayne Haskins drafted a few years ago, bomb. All of them that come into the league, bomb. Cardale Jones, bomb. Braxton Miller, bomb. Troy Smith, bomb. There's a Schuler guy, I think in the late 80s, won a ton of games, was like fourth overall, bomb. They're all bombs. However, he has so many tools and so much to work with that if you have faith in your offensive coaching staff, or if you have faith in your scheme, you have to take him because he's light years better as a prospect than a lot of these other guys. And particularly he's better than Mac Jones. The reason why we're talking about this frumpy man is the quarterback of Alabama. He also had his pro day and he looked terrible, very bad. One of the worst pro days I've seen since Teddy Bridgewater. If you recall, Teddy Bridgewater back in 2014, he did his pro day. And when he played at Louisville as quarterback, he wore gloves. It's fucking weird. At his pro day, he wanted to show everybody, hey, guys, look, no gloves. And he was throwing the ball into the fucking stands, right? Like, at a certain point, it doesn't matter. Do, it. Do what's best for you. You got to this point for a reason, and you have talent. But Mac Jones is a bum. His pro day was bad. He was missing throws all over the place. And the reason why I'm speaking on him specifically right now is the San Francisco 49ers traded up to that three spot. And there has been rumors that based on the way that we think the draft is going to go, they have a shot at Mac Jones, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. And according to Daniel Jeremiah and people in the NFL that have spoken with front office executives in San Francisco for the Niners have stated that, no, they want Mac Jones. To me, this is a smokescreen. It has to be. Otherwise, you're a retard. There's really no way to me that you can spin it that Mac Jones is the best out of those three. And I think a lot of the speculation comes from the fact that we know what's going to happen in one and two. We also know that they need quarterback. Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the Niners, also went out and said, hey, Jimmy G, our starter, who's paid, we're not going to trade him either. We want both guys to come in here. Let Jimmy G pound out some more porn stars. Let him take them out to dinner. Let him win seven games. And then you step in. Now, the supposed reason... For why Mac Jones is rumored at that third spot. Well, for one, is he had the most efficient quarterbacking season in Division I NCAA football history with Alabama. Number two, a lot of the players that played with not only Mac Jones, but last year's fifth overall pick, Alabama quarterback Tua, have said on record, yeah, Tua's a bum. Like, we like Mac better. And Tua, according to evaluators, was a top ten player in last year's draft. But not that. Mike Florio of pro football talk spoke about how the Shanahans in particular want a guy like a Kirk Cousins that is just going to fucking run the play the way it's supposed to be ran, right? Play action, three steps, hit the hitch. That's what these guys do. That's what Mac Jones does does best, is at the end of the day, he's a souped-up game manager. Traditionally, if there were no more quarterbacks, I think Mac Jones is the number third quarterback in this draft. But there's five. And he's five out of five. So we're going to see that is where the draft starts at pick three. And it's all going to come down to the Niners. Kyle Pitts, I touched on at the beginning of this segment. He's a six foot six, 240 pound tight end wide receiver hybrid. He had the best catch rate, according to PFF, out of any tight end coming out of the draft. Excellent in the red zone. Didn't have a single drop in the entire red zone in his entire career. He jumps 39 inches and runs a 4-4-5. Now, for historical context at that size, it's never been seen, ever. He is honestly a unicorn, and to me, he's the best player in this draft. He's not going to go any lower than 7. And the way that the NFL is moving to where it's getting more spread out, more pass-happy, it's getting soft, right? You need a lot of these big-bodied pass catchers out on the boundary to bail you out. And if you're a power team that likes to run two tight end sets, a lot of 12 personnel, you already have an established tight end like Detroit with TJ Hawkinson. Maybe you're sitting there at seven and you think the best option is to go get Kyle Pitts. Because to me, at the end of the day, he's a weapon. He's a pass catcher. And he's a better player than the remaining first round receivers. He's better than Devonta Smith. He's better than Rashad Bateman. He's better than Jalen Waddle. Also, the idea that Jalen is going to go top 10. Never had 1,000 yards in a season. He's a true junior who has had injuries every year. I don't see it. But it's getting crazy. We got a month. I'm getting jittery. I can't handle it. And according to Roger Goodell, there's going to be people live in person at the draft, which is nice. And then on top of that, he also committed to having full stadiums in the NFL for the 2021 season. So you will see me being belligerent, probably fist-fighting your uncle, at a Rams game. Look out for it. In Georgia, the Atlanta Braves, who were scheduled to host the MLB All-Star Game this summer, had it removed. The MLB took it away. It's no longer going to be in Atlanta. It's no longer going to be at Truist Park. And the Braves didn't just immediately capitulate and bend to the will of the mob. They released a statement saying they're disappointed, for one. For two, all this does is hurt Georgians which all of you woke retards at MLB are trying to champion, right? The whole idea is Georgians are being affected. So let's remove something that they can do for fun during a pandemic. But they're disappointed. And I hope moving forward Atlanta gets another shot because they don't deserve to have this removed from them for literally no reason. It's absurd. And I don't know where they're going to move it to now, but the idea of it being in Atlanta was so awesome to me. That park is brand new. A lot of good for the Braves. And they had to welcome their fans opening night. This past week, MLB kicked off and basically just let them know saying, hey, sorry, no, uh, no all-star game this year. It is what it is. It's out of our control. Wasn't our decision. This is going to affect them long term. There's going to be issues. I should, have, I should have known that the MLB was going to fold in this way or disappoint me consistently once they came out and said, no DH in the NL. To me, that makes no sense. If you're a viewer of baseball and you're in America, traditionally what people say to you is, oh, baseball is so fucking boring. You want to know how you make it less boring? Don't have a 44-year-old knuckleballer out there hitting. Let's have Marcelo Zuna. Let's have a yoked-up Dominican man who slashes 400 against right-handers. Let's have him hit. That's what we want. But it's well past giving the fans what they want, right? It's about looking good, and I hope the MLB's happy. March Madness. More like March Sadness. Am I right? Once Syracuse was out, it just it deflated me. Really knocked the wind out of my sails, as some would say. The Final Four was this past weekend. Long story short, Baylor, the one seed. They made it. And they're going to play Gonzaga, the other one seed. So for all the hype about underdogs, this is the year, Cinderella story, not really, bro. Two one seeds slide in. Gonzaga is currently 31-0, and they have a player named Jalen Suggs who is a combo guard, ball handler, excellent defender. He's going to be going into the draft after This could be a Cinderella-type story with him potentially winning a natty, going undefeated, you know, being like a captain, being the stud, big man on campus out there in Washington. Which I guess that's where Gonzaga is. It's in a small town or a small city in eastern Washington. These are one of these people that brings their own ball to the life center when you're in college. You're just trying to hoop. It's like, don't take it that serious. They create like a layup line before the game when you're just trying to pick teammates. Never ideal. Hi, Bubba. Thanks for joining us. We're talking basketball. You know, Gonzaga, I think it's there. Like I said, I think they're going to pull it out. Suggs is that dynamite player. That's that X factor when you have two one-seeds, two really good teams. Who's the best player on the floor? And with benefit of the doubt, you got to give it to Gonzaga. Pretty cool, too, to see Suggs hit that half-court shot. Really, to win the game. Like, that is awesome. Either way, even if you lose one cares? It's like the Miracle on Ice. People think America won the ship. They did, and that was like the quarterfinal round. But beating Russia was just such a big deal that no one talks about the second half of that, where we went on to lose to Finland, like three to one, a week later, and get like a silver medal. So similar thing here. Look out for the Natty. And uh, yeah, I feel bad for uh, sister Jean, but it is what it is. Last crazy topic for this week. I know, I know there was a shooting in Orange. I I don't care. There's a shooting every week. It's a fucking incel every time. They don't get any pussy. They shoot people. They kill themselves. The world keeps turning, baby. Some entertaining news from the LA Times. The Los Angeles Chargers, formerly the San Diego Chargers. They recently moved to Los Angeles, do a two-team-in-one-stadium kind of thing, just like the Jets and Giants do in New York. It had all been going well. They drafted Herbert, Pizza Faye, sixth overall, new quarterback. He won Rookie of the Year. The stadium, while empty, was done on time, right? It it looked good. There were no catastrophic issues, no explosions. Like, everything was working. And on top of that, the Chargers debuted jerseys that routinely around the league were considered to be the best. So a lot of good news coming out of the Chargers camp, a lot of things to be proud of. The arrow's pointing up, right? Well, you'd think the owner of the Los Angeles Chargers, Dean Spanos, who inherited this team from his father, it's been in the Spanos family forever, his sister, in an attempt to force the sale of the Chargers, she put and filed a petition in the Los Angeles County Superior Court this past Thursday. She basically claimed that all this incoming debt that Dean Spanos, the dunderhead, right, this this person around the league that a lot of owners say is an idiot, She went on record to say the amount of debt that we're incurring from his business practices, from him running this team, is so much. It's imperiled our family's ability to pay our mortgages. Like We we cannot even fulfill our obligations. And that she's so desperate, she's turned to the NFL in an effort to say, you have to force him to sell this team. We have a ton of money tied up in this. NFL organizations, their values are ballooning every single year, as the cap does outside of a pandemic year. Now, this petition which was done up again by D. Spanos. She serves as the co-trustee of the family's trust along with her brother. And she alleges specifically that the debts and expenses have exceeded over $353 million. On top of this, the amount that they've pledged that's in the trust that's left to be able to give to charities is at $22 million. So the, the debt is rising and the trust value that they had set aside as a family for charities is dwindling. She's quoted as saying every day that passes increases the risk that the charitable beneficiaries and the Spanos family legacy will suffer irreparable financial and reputational damage, which is probably true. If you're the first owner that has to have the team sold out from underneath them because you can't run it. That's really embarrassing. Traditionally, you're a millionaire. You're a billionaire. You're in this position. You're given a team because all of your private life practices, businesses, dealings have gone so well but this is the exact inverse of that what we're seeing with the chargers apparently the largest issue comes from the fact that when the chargers moved to los angeles they paid a 650 million dollar relocation fee to basically say from the nfl's perspective like it's good for us overall it's good for your business we understand though that san diego now fucking hates us And this is going to hurt your team in the short term. And because of this, because we have to save face with these fans. Again, San Diego isn't a small market. It's a massive market. So to save face with that segment of the country, you have to pay this relocation fee. You have to bite the bullet to to move to Los Angeles. And that's what they did. Again, this team has been owned by the family since 1984. But the issues with the money has been known for some time, even by the NFL. Because according to Dee, the sister of Dean, in in a November 2019 letter included in the court filings that she presented, Dean Spanos, the owner, vowed to his siblings that he would retain an investment bank at the end of 2024. And he would do this in an effort to find a new owner. So what does that mean? It basically means he looks at the financials. He knows that he's fucked. The siblings know that he's fucked. But to the public, he owns this team. So what he told them was, hey. We're going to do the move. We're going to incur this debt, but I'm going to set up this bank, get all my ducks in a row so that at 2024, there'll be someone else, right? We can, we can move on with our lives. We can continue to give to the charities what we promised, put a good name out there for the Spanos family moving forward. However, the sister's like, bro, we're not waiting till 2024 kid. It's too dire. His sister has said in court that she has attempted numerous times and numerous ways to resolve the dispute, but Dean refuses to consider the sale. And in the meantime, he he continues to borrow more and more and to force the charities and beneficiaries to wait. Compounding with this, Dean has failed to present any plan to address the trust's bleak financial picture because there is no other plan than the one urged by his sister to sell the team. Dean just simply refuses to acknowledge it and discuss it. His overall plan on getting the Chargers out of this situation is hope. And we know hope does a lot, right? I hoped that I'd be a millionaire at this point. And what do you know, boys? It happened. I don't know though, right? As the sister, it's like, why don't you just push him out? The family patriarch, Alex Spanos had four kids and he originally purchased the majority interest of the San Diego Chargers at the time, 40 years ago, for 40 million. This past year, Forbes appraised the Chargers at $2.6 billion. So on paper, they're looking good. He's borrowing against these loans from other banks to pay back the bank that he originally owed from. I would never trust a Spanos to do my taxes. This guy is a fucking boob. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows, though? Next week, we could be seeing a forced sale of one of the biggest teams in the biggest markets in our country. Poor Chargers fans, man. Y'all really can't have anything. Oh, my back hurts, bro. I've been sitting here for a while. I've been grinding out. I do love you. The show, again, still is growing. I'm getting more and more listeners each time, which is fucking crazy. It could be a fluke, but yeah, throw the kid a like. Throw me a five star. The dedication of this episode. My dog shit on the carpet in the other room. Did I hesitate? Did I stop what I was doing? Did I fail to bring you the hard-hitting stories? Guys, the an- that's rhetorical. And the answer is no. You should probably go outside and enjoy this nice weather. A little sunshine, a little vitamin D can go a long way. Hope you all do the same. I'll be talking to you all next week. Peace. <laughs>